0: what's up guys I'm on my own. It's Friday afternoon. I'm on my own because Nelson Nelson has a real job to do today. And uh we totally understand that. You gotta put you gotta bring home the bacon and uh Nelson is doing that. He's busy right now, but he'll be back. Super Bowl edition of the final score. Um of course Super Bowl fifty six coming up Sunday. The Bingo let me make sure this mics working right. Yeah. Okay, the Bengals and the Rams. We'll talk a lot about that in just a few minutes, but we've got a lot of NFL news to talk about. Um, first of all, I want to thank uh, Mr. Tim Worley, former Georgia Bulldog, former Pittsburgh Steelers, Chicago Bear. He came on um, this, past, this past week. We got that interview. We're gonna, We had some technical issues, but we're going to get that straight. Get that on so you guys can see it. Uh, he was a great, great uh guest. Hope to have him on again soon. Talking about doing a book. Uh, If you don't know who Tim Worley is, then you're I'm old, I'm a lot older than you. Uh, but he he was a big star with the Georgia Bulldogs back in the mid to late 80s and uh, first round draft pick of the Steelers in 89. But uh, we'll have that on soon. Um, Football season's coming to a close. And you know what that means for, for us, the final score. Draft is coming soon. Of course, we're going to enjoy the Super Bowl. But as soon as the Super Bowl's over, it's kind of like a hangover. And then – you, but for me, I start talking about the draft. And the draft is like one of my favorite things about the NFL. Uh, and, of course, hopefully, I've already – I haven't asked him, but he kind of unofficially said that he was going to be back again for the uh, mock draft again this year, and that's Mr. Gaddis Hodges, one of my mentors, and uh, you know, think of the world of him. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll have Gaddis on here for our mock draft. Um, so the draft, and, and my boys picking at number twenty. And a lot of talk about them, they want a quarterback, and a lot of talk about Kenny Pickett and uh, from Pitt, which would be great, but I don't think he'll be there by the time. I don't want to get too much away about my mock draft, but we'll, we'll get into that uh, in a later episode. All right, let's go straight to NFL news. How many of you watch the Mannings instead of the regular uh, Monday Night Football broadcast? I do, I love it. I mean, I don't know if you if you haven't checked it out, you should because it's gonna it's been extended through two thousand twenty-four. Nothing against Tarico, nothing against Lewis Riddick, you know, and I'm not the biggest not the biggest Brian Greasy fan. He's all right, but he's he's not he's not the where I, what I think of Chris Collinsworth, but he's I don't know, he's a little annoying. But 2024 and, and the thing about the man and you get their insight you get guests you don't get that play by play or color commentary that you do from the regular monday night uh monday night telecast but you do get uh, some incredible insight from them and then the guests that come on like Snoop Dogg was on the last game the Steelers game he was on that Bill Cower was on they've had a little bit of everybody on in different games. I just hope they do, they manage to do every game. Uh, I know they took some weeks off. So, anyway, that's going to be through 2024, so we got at least another three years of the Manning brothers doing doing Monday Night Football. What about the Denver Broncos? Byron Allen, who, (laughs) and I'm dating myself, when I was a kid, Byron Allen was just getting started on a show called real people. It's like a comedy show that they, I don't know how to describe it. You have to look it up. A lot of people, if you're my age, you probably know what it is, but, um, goes on to be really successful. Well, you know, he's definitely the most successful out of that group, but he is making a bid. He's planning to make a bid on ownership of the Broncos and, Good chance he might get it. Uh, um, he was talked to by Goodell, of course, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, and, and Patriots on Robert Kraft in November of 2019 about taking a good look at buying an NFL team. And he said, after serious consideration, I strongly believe I can help effectuate positive changes throughout the league. And for that reason, I'll be making a bid for the Denver Broncos. If successful, Allen will become the first black principal owner in the NFL. He's expected to bid with a group of investors behind him. Broncos will put up for sale February 1st, almost three years after Pat Bowen died. His family's held control of the team since his death. And the franchise is now worth an estimated $3.75 billion. So, uh, Henry Ford, you you might have a new owner for long. Maybe he can uh, figure out your quarterback problem because you're your so-called great greatest quarterback ever Elway can't figure it out. I had to throw that in there. And Henry Henry's planning on being a guest on our show soon. Him and hopefully Lance Martin will come on and give their, their list of top 10 quarterbacks of all time, and we'll see how that works out. We'll have fun with it. What about the newest, I'm not going to say the newest team, but the newest name change in the NFL? The Washington Redskins, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, formerly known as the Washington football team, are now the Washington Commanders. Um, not crazy about the name. I guess no matter what the name was, they'll always be the Redskins to me. But Commanders, I saw some memes. and I mean, it. I can't get it out of my head now. Cobra Commander. From the GI Joe series, so we're going to have Cobra, the Cobra Commander, as the head coach. And pending this, you know, I'm before I get into that, I'll say this: I was a fan of Red Wolves. They had that up for, um, for consideration one time, and Red Wolves was something that I thought would have been a good one. I mean, they had a, a guy, some guy, some guy with a lot of talent got on and made a picture with the Red Wolves logo and the Red Wolves uniform setup and man it was cool. I would I think that would have been great for for Washington, but I guess they were afraid they were going to offend the Wolves or something. But um you know it is what it is. But my question to you as Washington fans, would you rather have you can't have Redskins unless you do the whole. A friend of mine said, take a red potato, cut the outside peeling on it, and put that up there as your logo, and then you can call yourself Redskins. Unless you offend a potato, you you're not going, um, you're not you're not going to have any problems. You can't have Redskins anymore. But if you had your choice, what would you rather have? Red, I mean, Washington football team. Or Washington Commanders. I You know, honestly, if I had to choose between those two, I'd choose the football team. But that's just me. That's just me. All right. What about the investigation? How many investigations are we going to have on this Washington Commanders team? Daniel Snyder, once again being investigated for sexual assault, um... I mean, you, <laughs> and then the the commanders say, "Well, we're going to oversee the investigation." How? Why do you think that would work? The league has stepped in now and said they will hire an investigator to lead the probe. Uh, like I said, the Reds commanders announced Wednesday morning that the team had hired an outside investigator to look into former team employee Tiffany Johnson's claims that Snyder groped her thigh at a team dinner more than a decade ago and pushed her towards his limousine with his hand on her lower back. And Brian McCarthy, NFL spoken, said the league, not the team, would oversee the probe. And Commissioner Roger Goodell reiterated that point during his news conference at the Super Bowl. I do not see any way that a team can do its own investigation of itself, Goodell said. That's something we would do. We would do it with an outside expert that would help us come to a conclusion of what the facts are. Now, listen to this. The developments follow a familiar pattern. When former employees of Washington NFL team first complained in 2020 about rampant sexual harassment by team executives, the team hired attorney Beth Wilkinson's firm to investigate. The league took over that probe, and Wilkinson reported her fines to Goodell. So we've done this before. And what did we get out of it? We got John Gruden's, uh, John Gruden's emails. <clears throat> the NFL fined Snyder ten million, and he temporarily ceded day-to-day operations of the franchise to his wife, Tanya. Wilkinson's findings have not been released publicly, and leaders of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform have pressed the league to turn over details of that probe. I mean, how is this not been made public? What was the purpose of the investigation to start with? If you're not going to make it public, but you're going to make John Gruden's emails, and don't get me wrong, I'm not taking up for Gruden. You're going to make his emails public, but you're not going to report your findings or make them public. If there's nothing to hide, come out and say it but it's just pointless if we do the same thing or not we if they do the same thing over and over again what's the point of having an investigation i i don't know if daniel snyder and, and roger Goodell are good friends or what but it seems like somebody is hiding something or trying to protect somebody so we'll see how that goes in other news And another just bad look for the NFL. Alvin Kamara at the Pro Bowl, him and three others, attacked a man at a Vegas club, police say. And, you know, I, I haven't watched the video, but what they're saying is the alleged victim told Las Vegas police he fell unconscious on the floor where police said video showed him being punched, kicked, and stomped on by three people who accompanied Kamara at the rooftop nightclub, Dray's at the Cromwell Hotel Casino. At no point during this attack did the man hit, punch, or push Kamara or any of his associates, said the police report made public Tuesday. Did identities of the three other alleged attackers black out in the police report? No other arrests have been made. Why? Why haven't you arrested anybody else? You just said they they all kicked and punched him. Why aren't these other guys being arrested? Maybe they are. They're just not, you know, maybe I'm looking too much into it. But that doesn't, seems like they should be arrested too. Police said the attack happened about 6.30 a.m. Saturday outside an elevator at the hotel. Then the alleged victim first spoke with police at a hospital at 5.30 p.m. Police attributed the delay to a man receiving medical treatment. Kumar played in the Pro Bowl at noon local time Sunday before police interviewed him at Allegiant Stadium after the game. He was arrested about 3.30 p.m. on suspicion of felony battery, resulting in substantial bodily harm. He posted bond for his release from the Clark County Jail as a March eight court date. A conviction on the felony charge could result in a sentence of one to five years in state prison. Now, his attorneys have released a statement promised to investigate all the circumstances and individuals associated with this matter to determine both the facts and motivations of all involved. The defense attorney's statement portrayed Kamara as the hardworking and community-minded individual and called the allegations against him not consistent with who Mr. Kamara has shown himself to be in both his public and private life. And is is reviewing this under the least personal conduct policy. If you've got video, and like I said, I have not seen the video, but if you've got video of, of this, and it I mean, look at Ray Rice. Look at the Ray Rice situation. What did Ray Rice do about, about that? It ruined Ray Rice for the rest of his career. I don't even think he played another down after that. If they got video of this, which and then you look at, you know. Look at Tyreek Hill. Nothing happened to Tyreek Hill. I don't know what the deal was there with Tyreek Hill, but that seemed like it had some some evidence there pointing to his guilt, but uh, he was not found guilty of that. But uh, it's a bad look for the NFL, and I don't know what's going to come out of this. I you know, you hope. With them saying it does not, Of course, they're going to say he's that doesn't show how he usually acts or that doesn't show his personality. Of course, you're going to say that, but community minded. But if that video's there, he made a mistake. You could, you know, you could be the freaking saint, do all these good things, and you make one mistake in front of a camera one night and, and kick and punch a guy, knock him unconscious. And that's it. You know, but we'll see how that turns out. We talked a little bit about Lewis Riddick earlier, the current Monday Night Football member of the current Monday Night Football trio. Now, and he's done these over the years, so I'm not really getting my hopes up. But the Steelers are set to interview him, Lewis Riddick, for their vacant general manager position. Sources tell Ian Rappaport of NFL Network the 52 year old worked last in the NFL as the Philadelphia Eagles director of pro personnel in 2013 and began after beginning his career as a scout with Washington. He is interviewed for general manager positions in recent years with the Lions and the Jaguars, among others. The Steelers are in the midst of their first general manager search since 2000 after Kevin Colbert, longtime general manager announced he was stepped down following the 2022 NFL draft in April. But the Steelers have other external candidates, including the Colts, Ed Dodds, Charters, Jojo Wooden, and Tennessee Titans, Ryan Cowden. And in the in-house, they've got the VP of Football and Business Administration, Omar Khan, and Pro Scout and Coordinator, Brandon Hunt. So, for me, I would love to see Riddick there. But do I think it's going to happen? probably not. I would say there's a small chance. I think Omar Khan is the choice. Uh, he's if you don't know the history of the Steelers, uh, up until this year they have had salary cap problems not well not well not problems but they had to be creative to stay under the cap. And he is responsible for that. He's done an amazing job keeping them under the cap. But I think that Omar Khan is going to be the, the logical choice and, and because the Steelers like to keep things in-house. Hence, Terrell Austin is the new defense coordinator, uh, and he was, what, the secondary coach for the Steelers for a long-time secondary coach. So he'll, he'll be the new defense coordinator. So that was in-house. Uh, Butler, who was a defense coordinator till this year, retiring, he was actually the linebacker's coach before he got defense coordinator. So there's a lot of in-house um, hirings by the Sealers. Now, one thing I would like to see, and I don't think that's going to happen either, uh, Mike Munchak, longtime NFL veteran, all-pro, offensive lineman, and used to be the Seahawks' offensive line coach and was probably – their best offensive line coach in a long time. He ended up going to Denver to the Broncos to be closer to home. Now he's out of a job with Denver. I would love to see Munchak get back with Pittsburgh. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but I would love to see Munchak back in Pittsburgh. One guy that's back where he started, Uh, well, I don't know if it was where he started, but where – He was probably most comfortable with. Joe Judge, former Giants coach, who just got fired a few weeks back, is back in his old stomping grounds in New England. Back with New England as associate offensive coach. I guess he's going to take Josh McDaniel's place. Josh McDaniels, who went on, you know, the offensive coordinator who went on to be uh, now head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, McDaniel, you know, that's – we say this a lot. There's a lot of guys that are that can be great coordinators but not good head coaches. They're meant to be coordinators. And McDaniel when he left the first time to go to Denver to be head coach at Denver, he did okay. Didn't do great, but he's taking another chance again. And now Joe Judge, maybe somewhere down the line, he'll he'll take a chance again. But there are guys you like, I look back at a guy like Richie Pettibone for the Redskins. Uh maybe it was too it was late in his career when he got that job, but I think he was a better coordinator than a head coach. That's a that's a good example there. Uh there's several others, and we can talk about that another time. But Joe Judge back in New England. And what about Tom Brady? <laughs> we talked about. Brady being uh, retired he re- not his retirement last week, but he's all already kind of cracking the door open for re- to return and saying never say never And I'm like, okay, here we go again with Brady never say never and of course everybody, Everybody just started going crazy. He's coming back. He's coming. He just said that. I mean, I know what what you might think. Okay. I know what you might think that that means he's coming back, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's coming back. So don't get your hopes up yet. I and as far as Tampa Bay, coming back to Tampa Bay, you know, there was some <clears throat> there was some talk about a rift developed that developed with Arians and Brady, and I think you know that might have had a lot to do with with why Brady left too. Saints have a new coach, D- Dennis Allen, in house in house hire. Like I said, Dennis Allen was what oh, I believe he was defensive coordinator for for them for the Saints. Yep. Defense coordinator. I had to Google it. I uh, will replace Sean Payton, who stepped away from football this year after coaching the Lions. Saints, excuse me, for the last 15 seasons. Uh, Aaron Glenn from the Lions, defense coordinator from the Lions. Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, Former Miami Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores, were other known candidates for the job. This is the second coach instead of his career. He's been with the Saints since two, 2015, but he coached the Oakland Raiders for two two years, two-plus years. Posting an eight twenty eight record, so <laughs> we'll see how that works out. And also, the Texans have hired former Chicago Bears, and I believe he was with the Buccaneers too. Uh, head coach Lovey Smith, you know, Lovey Smith, famous for taking the Bears to the Super Bowl against against Tony Dungy, the first. Uh first time two black coaches play against each other in the in the Super Bowl. Uh nine year coach for the for the Bears, two years for the Buccaneers, and then he coached Illinois from 2016 to 2020. Um and again, one of the finalists for that Houston job is Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores. So <sighs> David Cully. How long did David Culley last? One year. That was kind of a reach. Which he didn't look. I'm telling you this. They played pretty well the last part of the season. They went four and thirteen. That's about three more games than I thought they would win with what they had on that roster without Deshaun Watson. Um, but of course, that the Texans have denied that any of any of this with Flores not getting hired had nothing to do with the lawsuit. So, which is, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, that, that's going to be a, a, a talking point for a long time. Um, also, Mike McDaniel, offensive coordinator for the 49ers, becomes new Dolphins head coach. Uh, his first time co- as a head coach. I don't see that working. I mean, I may be totally wrong. He may end up being the best, the best coach ever. But, I just for some reason I've got a bad feeling about that. The offense wasn't that great besides Debo Samuel. Don't tell me Jimmy Garoppolo was great. I'm sorry. You're you're gonna you're not gonna convince me Jimmy Garoppolo was a big reason why the 49ers got the NFC Championship game. If anything, the the defensive coordinator for the 49ers should have got some interest if that's the case, because their defense was stellar and then Debo Samuel. I mean, Debo Samuel, in his heart, and giving everything he's got, that was another thing that uh, had a lot to do with what the 49ers did. Pro Bowl was this past Sunday. Did anybody watch? I didn't watch a second of it. It's become a joke. I can remember back in the day what they had it in Hawaii, and I think it was the week after the Super Bowl, and you got excited about it because you saw all these guys playing together that usually wouldn't play together. That were, Some of them were you know, bitter enemies, but then you saw them all getting, getting along, having fun. And that's great about the Pro Bowl. I love that about the Pro Bowl. But somewhere along the way, Pro Bowl stopped being about anybody playing defense. It started being about, let's put on a show. Let's put on a show. Let's let's see how much what we can do on offense. Shut down the defense. And I know you're trying to protect players, uh, players in the Pro Bowl from getting unnecessarily hurt. But that didn't stop people back in the '70s and the '80s. Maybe the late '80s. It kind of no, no, not even the late '80s. I will say, after 2000, is when it kind of got. And you ask that poor punter, that Sean Taylor rocks. That was that's been the highlight of the Pro Bowl for so many years. Sean Taylor, late great Sean Taylor from the Washington Redskins back then, put a shot on a punter. And I mean he lifted him. And I don't know how the guy managed to get up. He he got up. But here's an idea. And this came from this came from somebody else. And I can't we'll see if I can bring it up for you that I came across and I put on the final score Facebook group. And if you want to check that out, you can join, be a member and uh, post, do whatever you want to not do whatever you want to up there, but uh, you can, you can post, let everybody know how you feel about these things. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find it now. Cause I've got it on here. Bear with me a second. And I'll share the screen. Here we go right here. Total Pro Sports on Twitter. And I'm going to share the screen with you guys. I'm still learning this thing, guys. Hold on. Let's see. Where? Where? Here we go. Instead of having the Pro Bowl, the NFL should... Have two of the worst teams to play each other against each other for the number one draft pick. So you could have <clears throat> the two worst teams instead of tanking, which everybody's saying that seems to come up a lot here lately. Instead of tanking, had the two worst teams come up and say, Hey, we're gonna play against each other. This is the matchup. And you can have the pro- have this have this game on Saturday night or have the Pro Bowl on Saturday night and have this game on Sunday the week before the Super Bowl and have these two teams play against each other for the for the number one draft pick. Make it interesting. Make it a you know something that people want to see. And total pro sports you guys got it. You know, I appreciate that and I appreciate you letting me share that. So Pro Bowl skills thing. You need to have the and look If you want to get rid of the Pro Bowl game on Saturday night, have the Pro Bowl skills competition. More people watch that than than the actual Pro Bowl game. And I'm going to tell you, one of the things I was most impressed with was the fastest man. You know, you think of fastest man, you think of defensive backs, Daryl Green, who won the fastest man so many years. And, I mean, was probably just as fast, if not faster, his last year, than he was his rookie year. Amazing. Deion Sanders was fast. Um, And in the NFL right now, when you think of speed, you think of Tyreek Hill, Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. But he didn't win it. And Michael Parsons, linebacker for the Cowboys. How big is Michael Parsons? Let's look this up. What is his – how big is this guy? Bear with me a second. 6'3, 245 pound linebacker out of Penn State. He's playing for the Cowboys. And now he's the fastest man in the NFL. Isn't it? Isn't that kind of scary that? This guy is the fastest man in the NFL at 245 pounds. That's that's crazy, guys. I'm not, I don't want him coming after me. He beats out his own teammate, Trevon Diggs, um, beats Ty, Tyreek Hill, but he still said, you know, he came out and said. Tyreek, he was still the fastest man in the NFL. But, you know, the fact that he was even in the conversation is what gets me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, okay, the, the award show, that was, what was it, last night? Um, you know, of course, over the years, you've heard me say some things that I didn't agree with on the, on the award show. Uh, Some choices I didn't make, and you probably say I was biased, but you know, whatever. Uh, First of all, coach of the year. Now, I can't say I don't agree with this. This was a good choice. Uh, Mike Vrabel, who kept his team together after losing, you know, what you're, if you're like me, after you lose, Your best player and the one that makes your offense go. Everybody was saying they can't make it without Derrick Henry, and he went out early. Didn't think, excuse me, didn't think he was going to come back. But he was able to make it back for the playoffs, the the first game playoffs. Titans without him managed to get the number one seed in the AFC, which was impressive. Um, But Mike Vrabel, of course, I'm sure he'd rather be playing right now in the Super Bowl than winning Coach of the Year, but. Quite an honor. Mike Vrabel gets NFL Coach of the Year, which I totally, totally agree with. Uh, Comeback Player of the Year. There's two out there that stand out. Um, Dak Prescott and Joe Burrow. Prescott coming back from a terrible ankle injury, foot injury. And I think Burrow, what he tore his ACL. Both came back with, with great results. But Joe Burrow gets comeback player of the year, which, you know, it could have went either way. I would have said that was good. But I think Burrow getting to the Super Bowl, that was what did it. That was what put him over. Um, Yeah, Joe Burrow comeback player of the year, which I totally – I think they got most of them right this time. Uh, Offensive player of the year, (laughs) Cooper Cup from the Rams. Man, guy got the triple crown of receiving – um, and I've I've said ever since he came in the league. I said this is oh man, I can't stop. Stop. I I've said he is my outside Pittsburgh. He's my favorite NFL player. Led the league 145 catches, 1947 yards, and 16 touchdown receptions in 17 mm-hmm. games only the fourth player in the Super Bowl era to top the league in all three major receiving categories. The other three were Jerry Rice in 1990, Sterling Sharp in 92, Steve Smith in 2005. His stats were second in NFL history to uh, Calvin Johnson and Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas had 149 catches in 2019, and Calvin Johnson had 1,964 yards in 2012. So he got 35 out of 50 of the first place votes. His biggest competitor had 10 votes. Um, That was Jonathan Taylor. And then you had Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who got three and two votes respectively. So we're getting to the big one. Don't worry. We'll get there in a minute. Who's next? Defensive rookie of the year. And we just talked about him a few minutes ago. He made such an impact on the league and and on the Cowboys defense. Michael Parsons. I mean, everybody was thinking I was going to say Diggs, but Michael Parsons, Diggs kind of slowed down. He had a fast start, but there was a lot of plays that Diggs got toasted on. I think, uh, Who was it that toasted him? Was it A.J. Green in the Cardinals game? Yeah. And he got burned a lot, which he's a a rookie. He's going to learn. He's going to be fine. Don't think I'm saying he's a bust, but he'll be fine. But Michael Parsons, I think it was in the Washington game, where he just demolished uh, the Redskins' offensive line every time. It wasn't just one time. And, And I haven't. You know, I don't want to throw, you know, put too much pressure on him. Which he, if he hears this or not, uh, but I haven't seen anybody dominate an offensive line like that since Lawrence Taylor back in the '80s, and that's that's not me blowing smoke. I, I honestly, I was like, this is incredible. But uh, Michael Parsons is the defensive rookie of the year and the offensive rookie of the year, and it was no surprise there. Um, who do you, who do you think? Jamar Chase from the Bengals, um, and people were saying Najee Harris, but Najee Harris didn't didn't really have that uh, that pedigree. You know, he he had over a thousand yards, but he didn't have that. Uh, Mac Jones, no. Kansas City Chiefs center Creed Humphrey, maybe, but he's an offensive lineman. And then uh, the Chargers' offensive tackle Rashawn Slater. No, I don't think but you know, and here's the thing with, with Chase. Do you guys remember in the preseason when he was talking about the white stripe on the ball throwing him off? And he was having trouble dropping balls. Boy, did that change quick. He <laughs> I obviously think he was sandbagging in that. I think he was playing with everybody, but man, he uh what was his stats? He crossed 200 yards receiving in two games, including a rookie record 266-yard performance against the Chiefs in week 17. Um, He recorded more receiving yards than any rookie in the Super Bowl era during a historic 2021 campaign. Also surpassed Chad Johnson's single-season franchise record of 1,440 yards. He had 1,455 yards. So, I mean, and look. In the postseason, 20 catches for 279 yards. So, look, you know, there's no – and I've said this all along. you got the comeback player of the year. You've got the offensive rookie of the year. The Bengals are going to be somebody that you're going to have to to deal with for a long time. They're young. uh, On both sides of the ball, they're young. This is not your Pac-Man Jones Bengals. This is not – your Vontez Burflick Bengals, they don't kick themselves in the head and lose ball games. And I said it, yeah, you, you, Bengals, you, Pac Man Jones, and, and Burflick, y'all lost games for the Bengals, but these guys are not like that. These guys can overcome adversity. They did it twice against the Chiefs, against the Golden Jacket, Golden Child, Pat Mahomes. They shut him down. Second half of both games. Burrow made great choices. Chase made great catches. Mixon did a great job. And they're in the Super Bowl because they didn't self-destruct. I had, you know, I'm a Steelers fan, but I take my hat off. And no, I don't want to take it off. To- take my hat off to you guys to you, Bingles. You did a great job this year. Nobody expected to see you in the Super Bowl. After four or five weeks ago, I was saying they made that it's one little thing missing. And, uh, you know, apparently I was wrong. We'll see. They've got to get over the Rams, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Who's next? Let's see. We're getting to some of the bigger ones now. (laughs) Defensive player of the year. The Aaron Donald Award, as some people would call it. Aaron Donald well deserving of this award, you know, before. But the last last year, I think people just voted for Aaron Donald because he had got it so many times. TJ Watt deserved a defense player of the year last year. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Steelers fan. I'm saying it because he deserved it. I mean, no offense, to Aaron Donald. He had a great year, but I felt like TJ Watt's stats showed that he should be he should be the uh, defense player of the year. Well, finally, this year he gets it. TJ Watt named defense player of the year. Um, I mean, he got that big contract in the offseason. People were like, "Well, is he gonna is he gonna be the?" Still be the great defensive player he, he was. Yeah, I think he, he did pretty good. He tied Michael Strahan's single-season sack record with 22-and-a-half. Also, a league-leading 21 tackles, for loss of five forced fumbles. Um, he was announced the winner by his brother, three-time defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt. He got 42 out of 50 votes from the Associated Press with Cowboys linebacker. Michael Parsons got five votes, and Aaron Donald got three. Um, he third in 2019 and runner-up last year. He's the seventh Steelers player to earn this award, joining Joe Green, Mel Blunt, Jack Lambert, Rob Woodson, Jays Harrison, and Troy Palamala. Since entering the league in 2017, no player has recorded more sacks or quarterback hits than the Pittsburgh pass rusher. He has double-digit sack totals in each of his last four seasons. Since 2017, he's had 72 sacks and 150 quarterback hits. So that's pretty impressive if you ask me. TJ Watt gets that. All right. Who's next? MVP. Who do you think got MVP? <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's any secret uh Aaron Rodgers for the second year in a row, in a row, excuse me, is the MVP of the NFL. Now, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you can say Brady all you want to. He became the first player. Roger became the first player to earn back-to-back MVP since Peyton Manning in 2008, 2009. Now, nine, he's now surpassed Tom Brady and Green Bay legend Brett Favre, among others, with his fourth, MVP award. He trails only Manning, who won it five times. He got 39 out of 50 votes. Brady finished with 10, while Cooper Cup received one vote. Now he's got to make up his mind about what he's going to do. Had a great regular season, but once again, playoffs did not did not transfer over to the playoffs. So now, what do you do, Green Bay? I don't I don't know what, what you're gonna see out of this I know Green Bay wants him back he doesn't want to go back to a he doesn't want to go to a rebuild but if he stays then I think you know they're gonna get they're gonna load up I think they'll be all right so what's next Super Bowl 56 The Rams and the Bengals. We didn't think we'd see this. Um, (laughs) I sure didn't think I'd see it. Who you got? Is it Joe Burrow? Is Joe Burrow going to be able to withstand the big pressure of that Rams defensive line with Von Miller, with Aaron Donald, and and the shaky offensive line that gave up nine sacks to the Titans? He's managed to overcome that so far. But how long can you do that? How long can can he do that? Can't deny Joe Burrow a Cool, cool It was it said cool as the other side of the pillar, like Stuart Scott used to say. Uh, offensively, if his offensive line can give him some time, I think they've got a shot. But it's going to be hard. Because <laughs> Aaron Donald, you guys remember they wouldn't. People don't seem to forget they win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Lost to Brady a few years ago, but they lost to Brady. And Aaron Donald does not want to do that again. He doesn't want to lose again. So there's experience there for the Rams. Bengals haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1988. First playoff win since oh gosh, in decades probably since that same time. But looking at the Rams, and you got to feel great for Matthew Stafford. Struggled in Detroit all those years. He had his wife had had a a setback, and he goes to this team. And you can tell the Rams are adopting that win now mantra with picking up – what about Odell Beckham? Here's a guy that gets left for dead by Cleveland. Like, we don't want you. You're, you know there was so much controversy back and forth between them. And I will, have, you know, I'm not. I haven't been the biggest Odell Beckham fan, but I will say this: He got this chance with the Rams, and he has. He's taken advantage of it. He's he's kept his he's kept himself straight. He hasn't let emotions go over him. He has He's played football and hasn't worried about doing the, the, the other stuff that he used to do with New York and with Cleveland. He's playing football. And, look, how is the Cleveland fans feeling when Beckham's sitting there in the NFC Championship game making clutch catches over 100 yards receiving and they're sitting at home and didn't even make the playoffs after they were expected to be a Super Bowl contender this year? Classy move by Jarvis Landry to call in, though, on Odell Beckham's media day, I guess, or what it was. Call in and tell him how proud he was, how happy he was for it, tell him how much he deserved it. I take my hat off to Jarvis Landry for that. That was a great, classy move by Landry. All right. So, what does it come down to? Stafford can't make mistakes. You know, you, you see – and the Rams – If they get a lead, they have to learn to keep their foot on the gas. They can't let it up and let, like, the Buccaneers come back. Impressive on how they came from behind against the 49ers to win that game. But you can't make mistakes and expect to come back in the Super Bowl. You can't get in the red zone like that first possession for the Rams against the 49ers to throw an interception in the end zone. You've got to make every moment count, get every possession count. And for the Bengals, you come from behind against the Chiefs twice when everybody was counting. And I didn't count them out. I did in the in the uh Championship game, I was like, you know, they've been here before. I'm not counting them out. And they proved me right. They came back and shut down. They shut down one of the great offenses in football. You shut them down. Different. It's a different kind of offense with Rand. There's no offense like the Chiefs offense, of of course. But Rand's a little bit different. How's this going to weigh out? What do I think? And what do I think in my heart? In my heart, I'm going with the Rams. And that's going to be my pick. Because Matthew Stafford, you know, you can say what you want. Matthew Stafford deserves a Super Bowl. And I think the guys on the Rams team know that this might be his only shot. And he's been there a year. But the Rams have that experience. Home field advantage doesn't mean anything because look at the Bengals' track record in postseason. What, two went on the road, beat the number one and the number two seed on the road. So, it's going to be a close game, guys. I I really feel like it's going to be a close game. But I'm going Rams. I'm saying it's going to be like a 28-24 Rams win. Um. and, I, you know, I, it could go either way, really. It's that close. I don't think, you know, it's not one-sided. And it, Bengals fans don't, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm not picking against you because you're in the AFC North and you're one of Steelers' rivals. No, I, I, you guys have played your butts off and, and done a great job to get where you're at, coming from where you were last year. But I just have a feeling with the Rams. You know, it's, it's a good story. And they're playing – they're playing enough – doing enough to win. It's kind of like – and the Bengals, really, the Bengals remind me of the 2005 Steelers. Had to do all this to get there. Go on the road, not – maybe not as much. Every game wasn't on the road, but almost every playoff game was on the road. And – but I just got a feeling about the Rams, guys. Rams. I got Rams 28-24. And I may be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But uh, let me know what who you guys think. Bengals better than Steelers. You 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 think? What <laughs> Bengals? Well, I mean, okay, Greg. Okay, Greg. I I see what you're talking. About. What didn't I just say that they are they are in that win-now mentality. They're not about – because they have to. Who knows how many years Stafford's got left in him? But they're in that win-now mentality where they're going to go get – they're going to get pieces to the puzzle now. They're going to get established veterans. And, you know, it doesn't always work out for for teams that do that. Look at – what was it, when Daniel Snyder took over the Redskins, he tried to buy a Super Bowl. That's what I call trying to buy a Super Bowl. You had Jeff George at quarterback. You had Deion Sanders playing for the Redskins. You had Reggie White playing for the Redskins. Am I right about that? Was Bruce Smith there one time as well? He was picking up these aging veterans. He's picking up, he was picking up aging veterans to to try to win a Super Bowl and they didn't make it past I don't I think they got to the divisional round but it you know these guys they're picking up are not really aging like what you had in uh, in Washington that year these guys are still still have something left in them and not saying Reggie White and on it but they they were near they were near the end of their career than these guys like Von Miller and Odell Beckham uh, and Matthew Stafford, they they're closer to the end of their career than these guys are. But yeah, 31-21 Rams is what you're saying. I had 28 twenty eight twenty four. Um, yeah, I just I just got a feeling about the Rams. I don't know. Robbie Berenson will say it's rigged, but if you you know we we talked about if it was rigged, then the way we've talked over the years wouldn't Tom Brady be in the Super Bowl right now? Instead of being retired, I mean, I I feel I feel like that, but you know that's just me. Um, while I got Greg on here, Greg, what do the Chargers? You're the, you're a Chargers fan, and we've got, of course, m- myself and you, being Steelers and Chargers fans, we'd have nothing in the Super Bowl. What do the Chargers need to go get in the draft or in free agency? Well, I mean, I'm going to leave that up for you. I know what the Steelers need. Steelers need a lot. First, we need a quarterback. And I don't know. I've heard Mariota's name come up. Uh, Of course, Garoppolo's name's come up, which I think would be a huge mistake. I'm not buying Garoppolo. Yeah, I agree. Chargers need defense. They need to be able to stop some instead Mm -hmm. of having to come (laughs) – instead of having to score 48 points just to eke out a win. You've got a great offense. And it is so, so reminiscent of the great teams that the Chargers had back in the late 70s, early 80s. Dan Fouts, John Jefferson, uh, Charlie Joyner, Chuck Muncie, James Brooks, Kellen Winslow. You were loaded on offense and could score, had one of the greatest games in NFL history against the Miami Dolphins in the divisional playoffs, what an 80. 80- one, the 41-38 to 38 overtime win where Kellen Winslow left everything he had on that field in Miami. But you couldn't stop anybody on defense. You had some good guys on defense, but you didn't have enough guys that could stop people on defense. It is so reminiscent of it right now because you've got some weapons on offense, but you just had to have a defense that can stop somebody. If they had that, Watch out for for the Chargers, Pittsburgh offensive line, cornerback, quarterback, cornerback and quarterback. You know we need we need a little bit of everything. They let good defensive stars go because they don't want to trade them, and those players land on playoff teams. Yeah, look at Melvin Ingram, which I you know he he ended up going to Pittsburgh and then Pittsburgh traded him to Kansas city. And he made a big difference in Kansas city's defense. Uh, just after he got there, he turned, he was one of the things I won't say he was the one thing, but he was one of the things that turned that defense around in Kansas city because they were playing terrible defense. Yeah, I got you. I got you, but they don't want to pay players. Uh, Pittsburgh had that back in the, uh, and they still, to a certain extent, I know they just paid TJ Watt a bunch of money, but I remember back in the day, uh, after they lost the Super Bowl to Dallas, which was Dallas's last Super Bowl win back in the VHS days, uh, and at the time I thought well, it was probably a mistake. But you let Neil O'Donnell go, and granted, Neil O'Donnell, he got you to the Super Bowl. He, he he's got some oil wells in Dallas that Jerry Jones gave him to throw those those interceptions there at the end of that game. But uh, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But another big thing they let go that year was Leon Searcy on the offensive line for the Steelers. He made a big difference on that offensive line, and you know, you look at it. It worked out for Pittsburgh, but I just think about what could have been. You had a good team that had gone to the Super Bowl and gave Dallas a run for their money. If they'd have kept that team pretty much intact, and I know they had Cordell waiting in the wings, and they were like just itching to get Cordell in at quarterback. But if you gave it at least another year in Pittsburgh with O'Donnell, and then. You know, I I I, think I just look at it back then, and and that was their reputation back then. It still, kind of is today. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Super Bowl halftime show, maybe okay. Um, I'm not the biggest. I like I would I listen to Dr. Dre and them back then, but Eminem, I'm not. Yeah, you know, he's all right. I mean, it's not that's not my kind of thing. Like Austin Powell said, that's not my bag. But anyway, looking here, CJ Azuma questionable. Um, Higby, the tight end for the Rams, is out, which that that may hurt. Uh, did you see what Azuma said though? <laughs> said he was going to do everything he could to play in this game, and also said if they win. I'm pulling this up now because I want to get this right. Beagles tight end CJ Azumo has a wild celebration planned if Cincinnati wins Super Bowl 56. He told reporters Thursday he'll take a bath in chili, specifically Cincinnati's Skyline brand chili, at the Bengals beat the Los Angeles Rams. I'll wear swimming trunks, but you put it in a swim pool, I'll dive in there and I'll eat my way out. I'm not a chili fan, but, I, but anyway. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for this week on the final score. Hope you guys have a great Super Bowl weekend. Enjoy the game with your whoever, wherever you watch it at. I think uh I think I'm gonna head over to Nelson's house. We're gonna watch it together. So we may have some we may come to you live from uh from the Miller Miller uh compound, whatever you wanna call it nelson's world we may come to you live from there a couple of times and, and let you know what we're thinking um but hopefully nelson will be able to be back next week i appreciate greg coming in and having a little comments here and guys anytime you see me on here if you want to come in and let us know how what you think about a certain situation what you think about the game what you think about something we said or, or interview we've done feel free to we love that. Uh, check us out. Check the final score out on YouTube. Check us out on any of the uh, podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Good Pods, Pod Chaser. Leave us a review. Subscribe and leave us a review. If you can do that, you know, if you want to do something to help us out, that helps me. That helps me and Nelson and whoever else. That helps me and Lynn. Lynn is still a part of the final score family. He's just taking a little break right now. Hopefully, Lynn will be back. Uh, soon, and we'll be able to talk. I miss I miss my old buddy. Uh, but yeah, leave a leave a review for us. Subscribe. Uh, that helps us out. That gets us noticed by more people, and more people are noticing. Especially, and not, especially since we we started doing the video, the Zoom, the Streamyard. More people are noticing. the 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 views are picking up, and there's a we've got something. I've got something else going on that's going to be big. It's going to be, a, hopefully, another member of the Final Score fan. Of course, we've got On the Fly. We've got Tobacco Row Weekly. And sometimes we got Ringside Ramblings. I need to get that going back up. But we've got another one that may be coming out soon. We're still working on the details. And it's going to be, it's going to be sports-oriented, but it's going to be a little something else with it too, a little, a little different than what you're, what you're saying. And we're still working on that right now. But uh, like I said, you guys have a great – have a safe weekend. And guys, if you get out there to a, a – and I know I'm going to sound corny when I say this, but it's the truth. I don't care. Get out there to a Super Bowl party. and you had too much to drink, don't drive. Get somebody to take you home. Enjoy the Super Bowl and get back home safe. You guys have a great night and a great Super Bowl weekend. That's the final score.